The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Pop Insider. The Pop Insider has all the latest in news, merch reviews, and other geeky goodness. Whether you're a wizard, a Sith Lord, or a superhero, fuel your fandom at thepopinsider.com. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. to another episode of Wookie Radio. Uh, right now, it's just the Smugglers 2, Ken and myself, Mike. Uh, but we're being joined by a gentleman who I have known going back to his days as publicist for DC Comics. Uh, he's now a publicist with Archie Comics. Um, but we have him on tonight because I believe this is your first book that you've written. I could uh, be wrong. No. Uh, yeah, no, it's my sixth novel. But your first Star Wars novel. Yes, it is my first Star Wars novel. <laughs> and, and it is um, a young adult novel, uh, which I have not gotten the hard copy yet, but my daughter is listening to the... Um, to the audiobook, mm-hmm. which is a great book. Uh, totally oh, love it. And yeah, they I did a fantastic my... job with the audiobook. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I really, I really liked how it is. And the voice you're hearing is Alex Segura, who is the author of the young adult Star Wars book, Poe Dameron Freefall. Thanks for having me. So, how, how did you get pulled into uh, this, this story? Uh, well, you know, I, my first five books, my first crime, five crime novels are uh, were, or are part of a series. You know, they follow this private investigator who lives in Miami, and you kind of see him evolve and become a private eye and deal with his problems, and, and it's his journey. But I ended the series with the fifth book just thinking, you know, that's the, that's the arc. I'll do some other stuff. And uh, I announced that. And um, then Lucasfilm reached out, and they asked, you know, would you want to do some Star Wars? And I wasn't really clear. You know, I, of course, said yes, not really sure what they meant but then they kind of drilled down and um they explained it was a poe dameron ya novel and i think maybe part of the reason was you know i've written crime novels i've I've worked at archie and other places where i've written you know other ip um and so it it was just an amazing opportunity and so once that was on the table i definitely was was game and um you know poe is my favorite character from the sequel trilogy i feel like there was a lot of space to tell a story so um, yeah, then we're off to the races. Okay. Cool. So why, uh, why go back so far? 
Uh, I think, you know, once you watch Rise of Skywalker, there are a lot of questions that are raised or at least little facts that are dropped, clues that are dropped about Poe's backstory. Um, you know, with characters like Ray and Finn, you have a better sense of what their history is. I mean, we kind of meet Ray as she's starting her heroic journey. And Finn, you get a lot of his backstory on screen. With Poe, we know little things that he did. But, um, you know, I think I think the idea was to really give him a definitive origin story and also to talk about and showcase a lot of the things that came up in Rise of Skywalker, like Zori Bliss and Kijimi and his time with the Spice Runners and also just kind of connect all the pieces together into a you know, a bigger narrative. Okay. Now, I, I loved how uh, the beginning of this starts off with them on Endor, if I remember. No, Yavin. Yavin, yeah. And and Poe has his mom's A-Wing. Yeah. So nice nod back to Shattered Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, was it was it tough to put that chemistry of Poe and his dad together for the book? You know, I mean, uh, it was a little challenging. I mean, what I did, once I knew I had the gig and I was kind of thinking about the story, I really did a deep dive into all the post stuff, you know, some of which I'd read. But, uh, you know, reading as a fan is different than reading as a professional when you know you're going to have to deal with these characters and kind of create something new. So, you know, I read a lot of Charles Soule's comics, the uh, Shattered Empire miniseries, a lot of the, the new canon novels, a lot of the legend stuff. And and really, I, I, I kind of cherry picked a few things that seemed like they would be relevant to Poe's story. Obviously, his parents and how would you know how would Kestamron behave after the loss of Shara Bay, and and how would that dynamic play with Poe? You know, and I think you know that both of his parents were very heroic and very brave. But if you were to lose one, the other one would, I think, by default, become more protective of their child. And so Kess is in the role of like protective dad. He doesn't want to lose his son the way he lost his wife. And, you know, I got to pull in characters like Lulu Lompar, who, you know, is big in Charles Soule's run and, and, and points back to knowing Poe for a very long time. So, yeah, I think I think it was you. I wanted to show a strong dynamic like Poe and his dad really care about each other. But Poe wants to seek out adventure and wants to experience things for himself. And Kess would much rather Poe be a little more cautious and and not put himself at risk. But it's a lot about learning, you know, learning on your own terms and making your own mistakes. And, you know, sometimes you need to scrape your own knee before you realize that falling down hurts. You know, you can be told a million times that you shouldn't do something, but you have to do it yourself sometimes. Okay. Cool. So, um, like you said, you dove in and found all the, a lot of the uh, backstory. Was there much of the backstory? That, um, how much of it did you actually have to come up with on your own, and how much of it was the story group and those people telling you this is the way the um, the facts line up, and then you just filled in the blanks? Uh, I mean, it's it wasn't it wasn't that kind of uh, it wasn't really filling in the blanks. It was much more like general broad strokes like they 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 wanted to you know spend some time with poe as a spice runner we obviously wanted to showcase zori bliss and show her origin because we see her on screen for you know maybe 10 minutes total um and she's such a compelling and mysterious character but you want to flesh that out and give somebody who's watched the movie more story and more 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 you know more engaging details about who this person is so we had general broad strokes but the connective tissue and the the adventure you know the plot came from me obviously then in discussion with the story group and figuring out the details. Um, so I, it was, it was really, I was pleasantly surprised at the level of like free reign and ability to create new characters and kind of establish the, uh, the hierarchy of the underworld. Obviously, you know, the, the story group was a great resource in telling me what is canon, you know, what is confirmed and, uh, what is established. And then you, you build your story around that and find creative ways to make it all work together. Okay. 
Now, w- was there anything in the book that you wanted to cover that Story Group said, uh, no, we got other plans for that? No, I mean, no, nothing major. You know, there maybe there was a character or something that I'd, I'd put in there, and, and they just the other there were plans for those characters, but it was never anything that kind of seismically changed the book where I was like, oh man, now I have to rewrite this whole chunk of the book. It was very, it was very collaborative and it was, wasn't the kind of thing where we were not in contact for a long time and then they'd get a draft. Like, you know, I, I outlined pretty heavily, uh, pretty detailed outline. So once, once they saw that, they kind of got a sense of what the book was going to be. So it was very, very communicative and easy and uh, it was super pleasant. Like no, no, uh, no speed bumps that I can remember. Okay. Well, on, on a personal note for you, because in order to write Star Wars, you got to be a fan to start with. Um, how, at some point, was there just a, a certain moment that dawned on you all of a sudden that, wait a minute, I'm writing and creating Star Wars canon. Me, not just a bunch of people telling me this is how you do it. Yeah, you know, I think it felt a little surreal when I got the first call and, and it was happening. And, you know, you have that idea like, well, this could go away at any moment and it could just turn into like what could have been. Um, it really hit me when Rise of Skywalker came out and I have two young children. So even before the pandemic, I didn't get to the movies much, um, very, very rarely by myself. Um, but I took a trip to the theater and I saw the movie and then just realizing that a lot of the stuff that was coming up on the screen were things that I dealt with in the book, you know, and, and they reflected each other so clearly. So the idea that people would be watching the movie and then wondering like, well, I wonder what Poe's time as a spice runner was, or I wish I knew more about Zori Bliss. And then they would then pick up the book and have those questions answers that, that answered that's kind of when it really clicked for me that I was adding to this canon and to this mythos and and really actively like it's Poe's origin story it's not like it's a, a side adventure that doesn't really mean much to him you know it's his definitive story which is a huge honor and, and uh, something you know that I'm super proud of so so did you enjoy being able to establish where Poe got his cockiness like we see at the beginning of um, The Last Jedi? I mean, I loved what the tricky thing with any origin story is that you don't want somebody to read the book and say, oh, my God, this is not the character. You know, they're not the character yet. So I wanted him to be Poe from the moment you see him, but also not the same Poe we meet in The Force Awakens. So when you read the opening chapters of Freefall, you can see the, you know, the confidence and the charm and the kind of scoundrel-like behavior, but you also realize that he still has a ways to go. He still has to walk through some fires to really be that Poe that we see at the beginning of Force Awakens or Last Jedi. So that was a tightrope to walk, but it was really fun to create the the adventure that he has to kind of go through to really become the hero that we know. Okay. What, what was your favorite thing that is now canon with Poe that you got to add? I mean, the whole thing was fun, but I, I think the dynamic, I'm really proud of the dynamic with Zori because I think people just assumed it was going to be, you know, a romance and it's much more complicated than that. And it felt much more realistic. You know, teenagers have complicated relationships with each other. It's not just this or that. Um, but I do like the story of how he gets off Yavin 4. You know, it's just he, it's, it's very much like a heist movie. You know, he's the wheel man. And this criminal gang comes into this planet and they're looking for a wheelman to get them off the planet, a pilot. And he just, you know, he's a teenager. So they say, hey, we need a pilot. And he's like, sure, I'll be your pilot. I just want to get off this planet. I just don't want to be bored anymore. So his his kind of youthful hubris gets him into this big troubling situation. And, and that's what kind of kicks the doors down. And then we really get into the adventure of the book. Okay. So never realizing that Poe could technically be considered not only a resistance pilot, but also at one point a scoundrel or a smuggler himself. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Very cool. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Stuff that was alluded to in the movies, but you, you're the lucky guy that decided to, get, to actually write the stories down. That is, that's just got to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, it was amazing. And then also, and I think showing that Poe from the beginning is a good character and he's pulled into this awkward situation where he feels a loyalty to his teammates, but not necessarily to their mission. You know, he realizes, okay, this is wrong, but I feel a closeness to Zori. I feel a, a kinship to these other spice runners. And then we kind of push him to the brink and see what his breaking point is before he says, yeah, this is not for me. Um, I am now going to embrace the legacy of my parents and really, really uh, seek out being on the side of the angels, I guess. Cool. So um, going forward from here, do they have plans? Do you have uh, more books on this? Or is this a one and one and done type story or? I don't know yet. I'd love to do more. I mean, whether it's Poe or another Star Wars character, I had a great time doing it. And uh, I think it's definitely the way the book ends. It's not a, you don't, it doesn't take you right up to the beginning of Horse Awakens. So there's definitely a lot of room between the end of this book and and where we see him again. Yeah. If if Lucasfilm came out and said, you could do, uh, we want you to do another, let's say, young adult novel or another origin-esque story of any character from the sequel trilogy but not poe who would you want to do next oh that's interesting i mean usually they just when i get that question it's usually any star wars character and i always say obi-wan because i find him to be really interesting and i think there's a lot of ground um ground to cover you know before we we see him and before we even meet him in the prequels i think there's a lot of a lot of space um, yeah, that's a tough one. I feel like Poe is by far my favorite. I mean, I love the sequel trilogy, but I feel like there's so much stuff to say about Poe that I probably just want to write another Poe novel. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, especially if you look at um, like what we have right now in front of us, the um, for the three main characters, Ray, it looks like the backstory on her wouldn't be all that interesting of her just basically being, I mean, she could have adventures, but she basically lit, grew yeah. up on Jakku scavenging junk. Right. I mean, I'm sure there were some adventures there. And Finn, he was raised as a stormtrooper. <laughs> right. Right. So I, mean, like I, I said, both of them could, could have stories, but yeah, he could see a lot of stuff. But uh, yeah, I think Poe probably has a more fertile ground for more adventures in that space. It's yeah. also the only one that they've actually in the movies alluded to anything in his background. Like right. in, the four, in um, Rise of Skywalker, we actually got like you, Zori Bliss and all these talking about his past. So yeah, but I I, I yeah. think if we we did some of the origin of uh, the Tico sisters because yeah. Ro- Rose kind of alludes to some of her past when they're on Canto Bite, right? As well, that's true. That'd be a little different, yeah. Coming in from a um, not because usually these types of books are the main characters is who you get, right? <laughs> like a Finn or a Ray or Poe. But yeah, go into Rose or um, any of the other side characters. That um, a lot of times in the old canon, I I love the anthology store collections because it was all the side characters or right. people you saw one guy sitting in the corner well here's his story <laughs> yeah yeah no it's there's a lot of fertile there's a lot of ground to cover in star wars there's so many characters and, and different twists you can take so yeah if you were to do another poe dameron book what what ground would you want to cover well, I th- you know, without spoiling the f- this book, I think it's really his his journey into joining up with with the rebels and just deciding that, you know, the the path that takes him there and kind of climbing the ladder. You know, when we meet him, you know, in the comics with the Charles Soule comics, he's already pretty established and he's already dealing directly with with uh, with Leia and he's got his team. So I think there's a lot of space before that because you, you you don't just get the keys to uh, to the hottest ship right away. You know, you have to kind of earn that. And I'd love to see him as a as a young 
young soldier, I guess, or young pilot and kind of working his way up the ranks and, and the battles and the excitement he has to deal with. Uh, I like that. Cool. And actually going with that, you could actually get into some more of um, just the way the New Republic actually worked. Because if I remember, mm-hmm. he was an actual pilot for the Republic for at one point. Right. So Yeah, and then I do that a little bit in the book. You get a sense that it's in that period between Jedi and Force Awakens where – you know, the Republic has won, but they're not nearly as powerful as the Empire was at their peak. So you're seeing a lot of things fall through the cracks, especially in the criminal side. You're seeing one of the most fun parts about the book was setting up the, the hierarchy of the underworld. Like you have the Spice Runners, you have all these other gangs and how do they fall in with each other? And then what's what's the uh, what's who's in charge? Who are the bigger, more powerful groups? And and so there's a lot of areas that you can play with and a lot of backstory that you can really pull from to tell a fun story there. Okay. Um, what were some of the things um, that you actually took from um, the pre or during the Empire, pre-Empire, uh, the underworld had pretty much had been fleshed out pretty well, knowing the way the huts worked, the way these other cartels worked. And we re- and you'd realize during the rebel or during the Empire, they had shut down a lot of that. I mean, obviously right. not all of it. There's no way to. But how much of that were you able to move forward to now and how much of it was a departure from from what had been before into brand new stuff. I mean, it's always a blend. You never, I never want to, especially when I'm working in something that precedes me and will continue after me, you know, you don't want to just ignore stuff that came before. So I spent a lot of time reading about what the criminal side was like before during the empire and, and how it may have been disrupted. There's not a lot of canon in this space, I guess, between Jedi and Force Awakens now in the, in the newer canon. So it, 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 there was some liberty to be able to kind of set things up. But then I also read books like um, Zoraida Cordova's A Crash of Fate and things that dealt with more kind of the underbelly of, of the Star Wars universe. And, and I use that, and there's a lot of, you know, there was a lot of room to create. So that was fun, too. Favorite thing that you put in the book? Favorite thing that I put in the book. Um, hmm. I love, I mean, I love the new characters. I love, I mean, I love writing Poe, and I loved writing Zori, and I, I felt really honored to be able to establish Poe's origin and also Zori's, but... My favorite part was adding adding to the mythos, you know, adding characters like Sila Troon, who's a uh, NRSB officer that has a vendetta with the Spice Runners, creating Zori Bliss's bosses, you know, like the leader of the Spice Runners, um, and also the other Spice Runners in the gang that Poe and Zori are in, and also this character Tommaso, who's kind of the... Uh, Second in command, excuse me, second in command in the Spice Runners, who is a little bit of a mentor to Poe and Zori. So, yeah, just being able to add to the mythos was great. So uh, going back outside of the book itself, where was your introduction to Star Wars? Have you been a Star Wars fan since you were like a little kid or where are we at? What's your Star Wars story? Yeah, I mean – I don't know of a time where there was no Star Wars for me. You know, I remember when I was a kid, my first memory of Star Wars was Vader and Empire Strikes Back. Just that visual of this cool villain and that battle with Luke in Cloud City. And and then you kind of become more aware as a kid. And I remember being really into Return of the Jedi and having the action figures and the lightsabers. And, and then there's that huge gap of time between the original trilogy and the prequels where we were all unsure if there would be more movies, you know. I read the novelizations, I read the expanded universe stuff, and I was a fan. And so, yeah, there wasn't really a time where I wasn't a fan. It's almost like each trilogy is its own little beat for me. You know, I remember 
waiting in line for the prequels and, and being so excited when those were happening. It almost felt like a new a new opportunity to experience these stories. And then, of course, the sequel trilogy, I get to see it as an old, you know, much older. And now I'm a father, too. So I'm kind of seeing my son play with, you know, his Ray and, and Rose Tico action figures. And it's, it's kind of, you know, this this is it's our modern mythology, basically. Speaking of your son and, and playing, what was your favorite well, now as adults, we call them collectibles. What was your favorite toy as a kid, Star Wars toy, or, or top three oh, Star Wars toys that you loved as a kid? You know, I had a bunch of, I just had a ton of the Kenner stuff, of the the action figures. I just had, um, whenever I had a chance, whenever my parents would take me to the toy, toy store, I'd grab those. And it was right around the time of Jedi, so... I had a bunch from kind of, you know, Jabba's, that J- the Jabba scene, the opening scene. Boba Fett was probably the coolest. I mean, he never talked, but he was just so awesome. As a kid, you're just like blown away by this really badass mercenary. And I always was terrified by Darth Vader, so I just thought he was like the ultimate villain. Um, so, yeah, I'm not a huge like collector person, so I don't have a lot now. But as a kid, it was those Kenner action figures that really were, were what drove me to the store. Okay. So I'm, assu- mm-hmm. so I'm assuming if it was now, you'd be going after a lot of Poe stuff. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I do need to stock up on some pro stuff. Have you at least picked up one of the action figures so you say, hey, I wrote his story. <laughs> yes, I do have at least one so I can look at it when I'm okay. writing and say, I, I started, I, I wrote your, your beginnings. <laughs> 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 be fun do the evolution Poe Dameron Lego minifig in pilot outfit go to the uh-huh. three and three quarter inch and then the six inch and then whatever from yeah, either sure, Kota yeah. Bayuka or or Sideshow yeah. or General Giant yeah the evolution of Poe so, so you've ahead. written both adult and young adult novels what's the difference between the, for you um, when you're writing one compared to the other because a lot of young adult novels are really similar to adult novels it's just some a lot of times it's just like the subject matter is different yeah, I mean, I, I've written crime novels, which are for adults and are written, you know, with a pretty hard R rating. You know, there's violence, there's sexual situations, there's profanity. And I think when writing something YA, you, you, you obviously don't want your readers to feel like you're writing down to them. You don't want a, a teenager or a kid to read the book and say, oh, this is like for kids. You know, kids want to read what teenagers read. Teenagers want to read what adults read. It's, it's just that's the way you read. I remember as a reader, I'd read adult novels as a kid because I wanted to read what my parents were reading. So I think the challenge for me was to not water it down and not make it feel like it was a kiddie version of the story. I I wrote it the same way I would write a crime novel, but obviously, you know, in terms of content, you know, there was not a lot, not some of the stuff that is in a crime novel, like profanity or, you know, extreme violence, you know, there's, there's action and there's, there's a lot of soul searching too in YA. I think it's, a lot of YA stories are about becoming and figuring out who you are and defining yourself, and and there's a bit that's a big part of Refall. But I, I think also that's a big part of really good fiction. You want your characters to change. You don't want them to be static and and be the same at the end as they were in the beginning. So um, while I did have that in mind, I did try my best to just write a great novel and not worry so much about the age range. Um, but I, you know, that's the challenge. I think a lot of that, um, a lot of that is why. I know my wife loves YA novels. A lot of times over adult novels. I've always, especially in Star Wars, I've loved the Star Wars YA novels just because almost you get more into the character and less into yeah. the situation sometimes. Like um, the old, uh, what was it? Um, Jedi Academy series yep. that Kevin Anderson yeah. did with the um, solo kids. I loved that as a kid. And, I, and as I'm reading it as a teenager, it, it reads just as the same as the regular books read, except for 
it's the stories are almost just smaller. It's about them only and not galaxy spanning things. Yeah, and this this is post story. It's not, you know, there's not a lot of universe in peril. It's very much like his situation, what he's dealing with personally and the people around him. So that's it is it's a tighter story. Um, but I didn't write it, you know, trying to make it not for adults. You know, I wrote it so anyone who could read it could get something out of it. Now, coming from a comic background, uh, mm-hmm. like I, you know, that you that you do, like I introduced you as being, you know, formerly with DC, now with with Archie. How how much different is it? Coming from the comic background and and looking at you know, some of the material that you are exposed to every day to writing uh, either the the crime novels or or a a Star Wars novel. Yeah, I mean both are great in different ways. Comics are so much more collaborative. I mean Poe Dameron was collaborative in that I was going back and forth with my editor, and obviously the story group would chime in, but it was still a novel. I still had to sit down and kind of crank on the words and decide on the details and figure out the angles and and the pace of the story, um, which is fun because as writers you're basically in charge of everything, which is liberating. You don't have to answer to anyone. I mean obviously you do when you send the book in, but. In terms of the writing, you're in charge. But um, with comics, it's so much more of a team effort. You know, I write a script and then the artist decides how they draw that script. So it's usually if the team is good, the end result is going to be greater than the individual parts. But you um, you have to kind of excite the next person on the chain. So if I write a script and the artist is bored, you're not going to get a good comic. You know, you need to get the next person down the line jazzed about it. It's I think it's the closest thing to like making music with a band. You know, you're jamming with these other people and everyone's adding different elements. And so the end result, the comic book is very different from maybe what I envisioned, but it's, it's hopefully better because all these talented people are adding their stuff to it. Um, and with the novel, the end result is hopefully great too, because you're getting feedback, but it's much more, you're much more in the driver's seat. And, um, uh, and that's good. I mean, I like both, you know, sometimes I do one because I, I want to collaborate with other people and then I can always find comfort in my novels because I don't have to collaborate with as many people, you know, so, you know, you get your cake and you eat it too as well. So I guess one of my next questions is going to be, have you been to Galaxy's Edge yet, either here or California, here in Florida? Or I have California? not. I have not. I have not. I uh, hope once uh, this pandemic is over, I can make my way down there. After your after your trip down, do you think that may inspire um, some ideas for some Poe Dameron tales on uh, maybe a visit to Black Spire Outpost in, in an upcoming book, if you get that opportunity? You know, you know, there's a fun little Easter egg if you if you enjoyed um, Delilah's book at the end of Freefall. So that's all I'll say. Okay. I, I don't think I have gotten that far yet. <laughs> yeah, you'll know it when you see it, though. It'll be, it's cool. Excellent. Ken, you got anything else? I think we've covered a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> This well, is fun. Yeah, you guys have some great yeah. questions. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, I know you you are are, are tight on time uh, tonight with us. So we, we thank you for, for joining us. Um, please come on again. Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah, we love it. We'd love to have you on. And, uh, yeah. and we'll, we'll make sure that night we will get on a little earlier than, than we did tonight. Oh, it's fine. I'm, I'm just a boring dad. You know, <laughs> he gets tired by 10 o'clock. <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm right. I'm right there with you. I have a yeah. eleven. Darren, uh, I feel you. We, we tell Mike every week that hey, can we do this earlier? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I totally yeah. So yeah, whenever this is up, let me know. Um, and if people want to know more about my books and stuff, you can find me at www.alexsegura.com. And I'm pretty active on Twitter, Alex underscore Segura. So uh, tweet at me, and I'll tweet back. <laughs> awesome. And, and that is true because he has tweeted back at us. 
as well. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. So it's a fun. It's a fun. It can be a fun platform if you don't get let the noise get to you. Yep. Well, thank you again for thanks so much, guys, for joining us. My pleasure, anytime, and thanks for for everything you guys do. <laughs> I, I couldn't say it any better myself, Chewy. Uh, we want to thank Alex for, for joining us. Uh, you, you've listened to the audiobook, yes? No, I've not had a chance to listen to it yet. Uh, I, I have it here. I haven't got a chance yet. I've not got, to listen, got a chance to listen to Thrawn yet either. <laughs> I just finished today um, the Clone Wars Stories of Light and Dark. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I have all three of those. I haven't had a chance to put them in. Um, but I, I've been listening to to the Dameron book and it's I'm loving it. I'm, I'm loving it so far. So I, I know I'll like it because uh, like I said in the, during the interview, I enjoy the Star Wars YA books in general. Yeah. I've always yeah. enjoyed them. Yeah. And I thought, um, like I said, what they did with the um, whole Jedi Academy trilogy that um, Kevin Anderson and um, I think it's his wife that made those with him. They did some awesome stuff in those. Yep. Yep. So and you got you got one of my favorite characters in all of Star Wars was featured in there was um, the character Zek. Yeah. He was yep. um, the twins friend from Coruscant. Yep. Who ends up being the villain of the first half. And then <laughs> it yeah. was awesome. Now, um, to cover some stories, there is. Uh, most of these are from Swords.com. Some, uh, and I got one talking about the Hasbro PulseCon news. Uh, is a joint story from our friends at the Pop Insider and Starwars.com. But I'm going to start us off with the crossguard saber that we see with Kylo Ren. Uh, apparently, we get to see the origin of that saber some. In uh, Star Wars: The High Republic. Ooh, yeah, I saw the pictures of that of the um, the drawing of it. And apparently, picture of this actual saber is coming in the lightsaber collection. Uh, that book that is coming out October twentieth. They will be talking okay. about this book or this lightsaber as well. And apparently, the ends go into. There's actual cat points. That the that the blades yeah, go into book yes, and it, I, I love the saber. It looks great. Yeah, that's a totally different look than we've ever had for a lightsaber. Yeah, and this makes sense with the crossguard. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome that, that they kind of they fold closed when it's turned off. When they when you turn it off, when you activate it, they fold out and then activate. Yeah, it almost reminds me of the look of a um a hot wire. If you've ever used a hot wire for like um carving foam. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um. Now, with this saber, um, the uh, their ta- uh, the Disney Publishing Illustration Manager Jeff R. Thomas further developed uh, Stellan's or Stellan's lightsaber hilt, which this is the hilt hilt used uh, in the by Jedi Master Stellan Stellan Geos in, in the High Republic series. And they talk about in the story how with the High Republic we wanted to implement a more traditional crossguard. Um, but still wanted it to include a saber blade into the cross guard design. I, I think they nailed it. And I love, yeah. I love how with the concept art too, how this sits on the belt. And I think it's unique how you, you have your clip, but on the belt, there's two other slots for um, for the saber to, to attach to. Yeah, so unlike Luke's, which was flopping around on the ring, this yeah. actually attaches almost like a magnets to the side of it. Well, it's like we, a gun belt almost where it was strapped to your thigh. Yeah, well, if we, if we also look at um, the sabers of 
the prequel series, even though they're in the clip, they may not be flopping around as much, but they're swiveling a lot, swiveling yeah. a lot. Whereas the ones in the, and the ones in um, the prequels almost seem like um, because they wear their belts up a little higher and wider, it almost looked like um, they were on there similar to what the toy ones were made with the um, belt slot that you'd slide it yeah. on. That's what it looked like for the for those. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they never show how they attach, but it was more of that where it actually just attaches to the belt instead of hanging from a clip. Yep. Well, again, uh, all this is going to be seen in the book Star Wars The Lightsaber Collection, which will be put out by Inside Editions. Um, and I can't wait to get this book. This yeah. is a, this is going to be an awesome book uh, and a book really worth having. Yeah, even without movies coming out, Star Wars fans are about to go broke again at the beginning of next year. Oh, yeah. Well, Instead of buying movies, you're going to be buying toys and books and books and books. Yes. Yeah. Now, let's get over to uh, Hasbro's uh, PulseCon that happened this past weekend. Oh, uh, Hasbro had an event? Hasbro had an event. Uh, not only did they talk Star Wars, but they also talked G.I. Joe, Ghostbusters, Transformers, Power Rangers, uh, something else. And G.I. Joe's version of the Black Series figures are incredible. And the new stuff announced, like they announced Zartan and they announced the Cobra Infantry yeah. Trooper. Uh, a lot of those are even harder to find than the regular Star Wars Black Series figures. Yeah. And then on top of that, Target has a subline of G.I. Joe called Cobra Island. And there's Firefly and a Cobra Viper. Oh, nice. Coming. And those look. Now, is that six inch also? These are all six inch. Wow. Imagine how big that Viper. Or no, they, the Viper is one of the troopers. I was thinking it was one yeah. of the ship, the um, planes or something. Yeah. But I think they're doing, um, I think they're doing the, a six inch his tank. Oh, yeah. I had the original one from, from the original Real American Hero line. I don't, I don't remember if it's for the six inch or for a three and three quarter inch. Well, the, the, what I think is kind of cool way. about this six inches they're doing it's um all inspired by the original real american hero line yes yeah which is what a lot of collectors and fans of gi joe have been screaming for for years yep <laughs> so we don't want the new updated versions of this we wanted the originals <laughs> yep uh but apparently there's some new Power Rangers figures, which actually looks pretty decent. Uh, there's also um, some new stuff with the Ghostbusters line, which looks great. Yeah. Um, hopefully, it's, uh, hopefully some of it is stuff that they've sat on because they realized that they couldn't, they weren't going to sell Ghostbusters toys this summer. <laughs> they were planning possibly. on selling a lot of Ghostbusters toys this summer with the new movie. Possibly. Well, the, the, yeah, until next summer. Well, the um, Ghostbusters plasma collection that's out now, which I've only seen at Target, those six inch figures look great as well. I gotta check those out. Now I didn't have a lot of Ghostbusters toys when I was a kid. I mean I was I was at the right age for them, but the thing is those came out at the same time as Star Wars G.I. Joe and Transformers. Now and He Man. Under the Kenner name, they introduced they're they're bringing back as a retro the Ghostbusters Popper. Ooh. Now here's what here's what's making me think. Uh we had over on Mighty Marvel Geeks this week, John Tyler, Christopher joined us uh because he's doing some Marvel three and three quarter inch Marvel Legends retro figures under the Kenner branding. Hasbro nice. needs to go ahead and just trademark Kenner again and bring it back as their retro line. I thought they did have, still had the trademark for it. I think they do, but they need to just go ahead and announce it as a, you go to Hasbro's website and 
category you look under is Kenner, and then you find all the they, retro stuff. Yeah, they like, could like I mean, the they vintage have to put card. Other sub companies, and actually just run Hasbro or run Kenner, and then just Hasbro as the parent company move just their action figures in general, their action figures, and action toys, put them under the Kenner logo, Kenner banner. They have yeah. plenty of other companies that run under Hasbro. Do that. Well, I think anything retro needs to go under Kenner. Yeah, if it was originally Kenner, like Marvel, like. Star Wars. Yeah. If you're going to do it with G.I. Joe, even though G.I. Joe was Hasbro, even when they first came out, um, I, I would still do Star Wars and, and um, I, just, I just said it. Star Wars and? Marvel under the Kenner Marvel. line. Under, under yeah. a Kenner line for retro stuff. But coming, speaking of Kenner and vintage figure, Captain Rex, three and three quarter inch vintage card. Nice. And this almost looks like a three and three quarter inch version of the six inch figure with the soft, soft waist cape and everything. That's awesome. And and the J guys, etc. I would like to get two of these, one to leave packaged and one to because I love the artwork of the card and one to let Bree to set next to the other Captain Rex to have that scaling. Oh, there it is. I was looking for him for a minute. I got him. Um, Ooh, and the soft goods, uh, you're talking the, like the um, the skirt part of the cape, right? Yeah. Wow, that, it almost has a leather look to it. It's not even cloth. And it's just like the the six inch where yeah. like my six inch Scarif captains that have the waist capes, the skirt cape, those are hard plastic. They don't do anything. But my Captain yeah. Rex, my snowtrooper standing next to my Captain Rex, same thing, hard, stiff waist cape. Rex is a soft cape. It's a cloth cape. Hmm. What? Well, the one thing that's really cool about Rex, and they get it really good in this paint on this, is I've always loved his helmet with the um, wolf's ears on it. With the J guys. Being part yeah. of the wolf pack. Uh, no, actually, those are, they're called J guys. Okay. J A I G eyes. Okay. Which, I always thought it was actually supposed to, re- to um, look like a wolf. Nope. Because the, isn't um, his division of the 501st the wolf pack? No, that was Commander Wolf. Oh, okay. So, uh, but to continue on. From the Mandalorian, we're getting a incinerator trooper in three and three quarter inch. Yeah, as well. Uh, I like that they're actually in- including the flame that you can add to the uh, yeah, flamethrower. Yeah, uh, we are also getting a new Tie Fighter pilot. Okay, and we are also getting a new Queen Amidala. Yeah, that's cool. In the black dress. It's nice to see the Phantom Menace is actually getting some love because when we get to the yep. Black Series figures, I was all excited about that one. Um, there's a new Battle Droid, which is from Phantom Menace. Yeah, Phantom uh, Menace is getting a lot of love in this new series. And then Attack of the Clones, we're getting the the first time we see Hayden Christensen as Anakin. Mm-hmm. That that one though, I wasn't as impressed by the figure no. of that one. Um, the the face on that just something is not right on that. I mean, some of the Hasbro does really well with some of them. Other ones, this one just one that didn't hit for me. Now, sticking with the vintage collection, Star Wars has returned to Haslab, and this yes. thing's already funded, and they are working their. I haven't even checked. They are working their way to the second tier uh, reward. This thing was funded, and it didn't. It doesn't even have a paint on it yet. It's just the um, the original mock-up prototype is the only thing you can see of it. Yeah. But then again, they didn't have it. You know that when they put when they gave this as an option, they didn't even. They had no um, no question of whether or not they were going to make it. Oh yeah, I'm trying to find the website. Well, while you're looking it up, anybody who hadn't heard yet, they are actually the Haslabs um, goal for the moment is the Razor 
Razor Crest. Anybody who has seen the old, the other HasLab pro- products, especially like the Sail Barge, knows Wait, the which was, detail that will be going into this. Yeah, and that was the last HasLab. Was that the last one? I thought they did one since then, but okay. No, the other one that it was a the, the Pulse initially a Pulse exclusive was the the Troop Transport from Mandalorian. Okay. Anyway, coming in at three hundred and fifty dollars. It already has 8,988 backers and still has 39 days to go. Now, what was the goal for backers? How many backers? 6,000 to, <laughs> to go production. Well, with since it has met the 6,000, the first unlocks, um, which is secured, is an escape pod, which I don't think That's- we ever see an escape pod. No, in the show yet. yet. For no, we've only we've got. Hey, we're third as of recording right now. We are thirty days away. Yes, yes. Oh, and on October fourteenth, we are having a guest on. Uh, we are from Twitter. She goes by the name of Duchess Satine, and I think her Instagram is uh, at Madam underscore Satine. Uh, her name's Jessica, and she is she touts herself as a huge fan of the Mandalorians, the show, uh, the in the race. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna kind of dedicate that episode to a history of Mandalore. Cool, and, and get us watching some of the shows, and get us prepped again for to to get ready for the Mandalorian. Awesome! I'll so, have to go back and watch the um, the Rebels and um, Clone Wars episodes. Now I. I I got to say thank you to Anthony for putting the challenge out there because, hey, I, I accepted the challenge. Um, she had apparently made a comment, and I wasn't friends with her yet on Twitter, on on our Twitter at Wookiee Radio. And Anthony said with all – because she, she made a comment about, well, you know what? I will find the comment. <laughs> Just make it the easy way. That way I'm not um, – uh, as I'm looking for the comment, the other thing that they're trying to get to is if you hit 10,000, there'll be a vintage card, baby. Oh, nice. So, Anthony. Uh, uh, hold on, hold on. Well, this one picture I'm looking at, this is awesome. You can actually, t- the idea is you could actually take this fully apart like it had been scavenged by the Jawas. Yeah. And did you notice, too, it has a refresher? Yes, I did see and that. It's the first toy with a refresher. Well, that's good. Well, the HasLab toys are extremely detailed. Jabba's, Jabba's gift didn't have a – or Selbarge didn't have a refresher. I don't want to know what facilities Jabba has to use. Well, even for I'm, anyone else. I don't else. want to know how that works. <laughs> anyway, um, she goes by Manda Satine, Manda underscore Satine. And she goes, I don't know who pays attention to my page, but if you're a podcaster who thinks, hey, that girl has opinions and the ability to express them, well, I've got a theater background, only a slight Minnesota accent, and I always wanted to be on a podcast and talk Star Wars. And Anthony goes, want to hear what she, what all she got to say, slash thanks, putting the open challenge out there. Okay, cool. Took it. We're the first podcast she's coming on. Awesome. And I really, uh, she, she, again, with the name. Duchess Satine, she she's really into the Mandalorians. Um, let's let's get into it, and, and just mm-hmm. and we haven't had a good. I don't think we've ever done a good. Here is a race of people or a group of people, and let's delve. We yeah, we've discussed little parts parts of it, especially um, when Mandalorian first came out. Remember, we were we've had the right. discussions on the difference between the Mandalorian race and the Mandalorian religion, but we've never really gotten much deeper than that. So if this is something she's researched, um, cool. I, 
I'm ready to learn some new stuff about the Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. I, wow, you got to twist my arm. I really don't like getting into deep dives into the minutia <laughs> of this. No. Not at all. I, I can't. I, I personally can't wait. I really can't wait. Um, and then she later put out there, because uh, I, I, I was talking with her in private message, um, and I announced, you know, she's coming on on the 14th, and uh, she goes, we'll be talking new Mandos, passive pacifism and getting hyped about Mando season two. Well, we're also going to go into Mandalorians as well. So, and the response to her post and our post is, is great. Uh, hopefully we spark some new listeners from it. Uh, but getting back, I know I derailed, um, but we, we, I derailed because we're talking about, uh, the new stuff. Um, there, the Black Series has got some new archive figures coming. Um, we got Luke and Hoth. Eh, that's looks okay. one I am not. Uh, yeah, I am not a huge one on this because the the costume looks awesome. The lightsaber is awesome. The face just uh, it doesn't look like Mark Hamill at all. Yeah, which Hasbro on black, especially six inch Black Series. It's weird that they would miss that. I want. This next one I'm about to mention is Han Solo and Hoth gear. Yeah. And the original brown tint to the coat. It's the original brown coat. Which yeah. It was brown in the film. Well, no. It was blue when it was filmed. <laughs> well. It looked brown on film. No, it looked blue on film. Oh, it did? Okay. The jacket was actually brown. Okay. Then that's the way it is. I knew it was one way or the other. It when, came out different than what you originally saw. Because when, I guess, recently when, um, I don't know if it was Columbia or Adidas went to redo the jackets, um, they went looking for the blue jacket at the archives and they found the brown jacket and realized, oh, this is like blue dress, white dress scenario. It was because of the lighting and everything else. And it, it, on film, it looked blue. That's why everyone yeah. blew with it. So I want this figure. I will probably let it breathe because it's just an archive card. Yeah. But I want the original blue figure that, or blue jacket figure that came out as well and put the two side by side. That's, that's what I would like to do. Have you put out the blue jacket, Han? Is it six inch? I think so. Uh, I would have to check okay. rebelscum.com and their photo the archives. Difference is, um, the difference is on this one compared to Luke, this one looks like um, Harrison Ford. Yeah. It looks like Han Solo. The now Luke Skywalker just looks like a general plain mannequin face or something. Yeah. Now the next archive figure, I want this one as well. Thrawn. Oh, yeah. It's Thrawn. Anytime you get to get a Thrawn figure at all. Yeah, yeah. And I have a Death Trooper, so putting Thrawn next to the Death Trooper would be okay. Mm-hmm. And I would think he would have traveled to the Scarif, so I'll put him up there with my Scarif Troopers as well. But he did Thrawn's have a, a but he did have a, a Death Trooper yeah. as well. So uh, also, uh, also two in the Archive series is Commander Cody. Yes, and this one that... I mean, this one looks cool, but it's it's Commander Cody. We've yeah. got 1,500, 15,000 of these <laughs> that is all Commander Cody. And it, you know what? It looks like Commander Cody. Well, they just released, yep. uh, what is it, Walgreens has got the clone clone captain. It's the blue stripe, yeah. blue stripe phase one clone trooper. Ah, okay. <clears throat> I think that's either captain or lieutenant. No, I think it's captain. I don't remember my stripes. The difference with this would be that you get it on the vintage card. Uh, it actually 
pack, not the um, – these are coming on the blister packs, right? Yeah, the archive blister pack. Yeah. So um, also, too, they announced – and this is coming in like 250 bucks. Black Series Ahsoka Tano lightsaber. It's just oh, yeah. one. It's just one. It's the is it the larger one? Uh, it's her blue yes. one. I don't know. It, it's the, the lar- It's the larger one. Okay. Well, here, here's the no. cool. Here's the cool thing about this one. I believe it's color changing. It's blue or white. Okay. I think because they only show the blue blade. I could be wrong. I, yeah, it's just a blue blade, but yeah. it comes with the kyber crystal, and I guess the crystal will light up. Now there's another picture here. That it looks like a. Ba- of a lightsaber on its own. What is that? It comes with a ba- display stand. It, no, no, no. This, uh, hang on. Let me um, drop the pic- this specific picture in the. Uh, wait, I just lost it. Well, I, actually, it's I what, was wrong. Price is going to be two twenty five. Yeah. Well, it's the Force Effects Elite. It's not the regular Black Series Force Effects ones are around one hundred and ten. Yeah. Uh, so it's a three color changing blade. Okay. Oh, wait. They do show the white. Okay. Yeah. So I'm assuming it goes between blue, white, and green. Okay. Well, I don't see it here, but if you look at the packaging, I've seen a lot of people online that are saying that um, that's supposed to be Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka on this. I don't see it myself. I mean, I'm zooming in on it even, and it doesn't. Uh, maybe. Because we still don't have, that's still not confirmed that that's that she's playing Ahsoka. It may be a rendition of what the animated would look like in a more realistic artwork. Possibly, because we did get, we did have seen Ahsoka at this age, because we see her right after Return of the Jedi. Right. But I think they're also, I think this artist might have taken the, a, a younger look of Rosario Dawson for this particular stage, um, Ahsoka. Maybe. I do find it funny, though, that the artwork on it, this, you get one lightsaber here, but the artwork has her with both of her lightsabers. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and apparently the colors go from yellow to blue to green, which I find the yellow interesting. Yeah, why would it be yellow and green? If I remember right, she just said, no, wait, weren't her original lightsabers green? Her her single lightsaber? I don't, try, I don't remember. Yes. Clone Wars. Her original, yeah, green, her original saber went green. I don't remember her ever having yellow because the only yellow lightsaber we've actually, well, we had the Jedi counselors or were the guards at one point. Temple guards, yeah. Right. Which I love that saber. Seeing the High Republic, it's almost like the Temple Guard sabers are a nod back to the High Republic at this point. Yeah. And when I got to hold that at um, at Galaxy's Edge, it was it, I, I love that one. Um, now, they are also announced the armor in Black Series. Yes. And this looks awesome. This one's not part of the new the new Black Series Mandalorian set, is it? This is just regular Black Series, isn't it? No, it... it... We'll get to the new Mandalorian ones here in a minute. Yeah, I'm not sure if it is or not, or if it's a... Yeah, let me find the pictures here. Is she part of the credit series? No, she's not a part of the credit series. Okay, that's what I'm getting to, the Black Series, the credit series. Yeah, and they did. we talked about the credit series last week. Okay. Uh, Also, too, is a Phase 1 Clone Trooper, which is the solid white, the normal grunt. Uh, There is also a Black Series Incinerator Trooper. So, hey, get the Black Series and the vintage collection and you could do the three and three quarter inch six inch side I by do side like went back to the armor for a second i do love the packaging for that it's in a slip yeah. case box yeah that is really slick looking well speaking of, i'm wrong it's not in a slip case box um what the jar jar binks no but that is my favorite out of all of this this is a great general looking jar figure. jar binks yep they don't say general on there but it's him and all the battle stuff with the shield and the, yep. yeah 
<laughs> uh, we see Dark Side Ray, which this is a nice looking sculpt as well. Yeah. Have they actually, they've teased for a while that they're going to do Dark Side Ray. Had they ever put out the figure before? Or is this the first time we've got the I Dark think, Side Ray figure? I think this is the first time we're getting the figure. Okay. Because they teased it for a while that they were going to do it. Um, And then we get, as I've heard many people say, yet another Boba Fett. Hey, but this one comes with flames that you can attach to his arm. True. <laughs> um, that's, that's like the Cody or the other clone troopers. It's like, they're cool looking, but it's just another clone trooper. It's just another yeah. Cody or it's another Boba Fett. Yeah. So that was it with um, the Star Wars releases. Oh, no. wait, I'm sorry. No, I'm not. Because the other ones are really cool also. <laughs> I really like these ones. These are cool, but I don't think these are going to be selling out anytime soon because there's a lot of people going, yeah, but uh, they're going to be peg warmers. They have introduced the Black Series Holiday Collection. You have a Stormtrooper that's got an ugly Christmas sweater type print on <laughs> his chest armor with a yeah. snowman porg. Yeah, it was not a snowman. It actually looks like just a regular porg with a little scarf on. Now, that's cute. No, on the Stormtrooper, is a plain white porg. Then this it, is almost, one. it almost looks like a snowman. I'm trying to find that one. Because one I ha I saw actually has uh, the pork that goes with him, right? No, so I'm looking at the snow trooper. There's a Sith trooper. Then the, Let me. Then the next one coming up is the snow trooper, which has got a funky pattern thing on his face cloth. But that pork comes with a scarf around his neck. Mm -hmm. Well, no, the the face cloth is actually uh, patterned to look like a scarf if you look at it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I love how the boots are striped like Christmas socks. Oh, there. Okay. Um, I had to go through a bunch of different stuff to get to that Stormtrooper. He's actually kind of cool looking. Sith Trooper. And he comes with Babu Frick. Mm -hmm. Then we have the Range Trooper, which this one I actually kind of really like because he almost looks like Santa. Yeah. Um, and he comes with Dio that looks almost like a Rudolph, a droid version of Rudolph. Yeah, he's all brown with a red nose, so it's Dio, the red-nosed oh. droid. Uh, then, I know this is a GameStop exclusive, it's the Clone Trooper, and he comes with a Porg with a scarf around its neck. So, it'll be curious... I'll be curious to see if these actually pop up in the stores. Um, I'm trying to remember who, which one is exclusive to where. That that's something I don't I don't like the whole exclusives. Like we're going to have 15 different um, action figures. Yeah. You have to go to 15 different stores to get them. Yeah, uh, the Clone Trooper is GameStop. The uh, Imperial Stormtrooper is Amazon. The Sith Trooper is Best Buy. The Range Trooper is Target. And the Snow Trooper is Walmart. Or all of them on eBay. If you really want to be broke for Christmas. Yeah. I well, they're the six-inch Black Series, so they're going to be broke anyway if you want to get all of them. Yeah. Well, I have, since I have a Snow Trooper, I would consider getting the Snow Trooper. Zoe would get the Porg, obviously. Uh, I kind of like the Range Trooper as well. I really, yeah. that one I thought looked really good. Uh, the others, I'd only be getting them for, the main purpose of getting them would be for the, the minis that come with them. That I'm, is cool, though, putting a mini in with each one yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. So, um, 
Then I need to double check my folder, Mandalorian. Okay, the uh, this other folder that I've got in this drive, Ken, we already talked mm-hmm. about. We talked about oh, this okay. stuff last week. The the Monopoly set and the credit and all that. I still say the coolest out of all of these, even cooler than Jar Jar, which is not which is hard to do because I really like that Jar Jar is the John Favreau action figure. Yeah, of the heavy. Number. Yeah, I'm just not. His paint looks the most decent. I'm just not a big fan of the paint schemes on on the credit series. Uh, that's all. Any pictures of the clone trooper? I'm not finding them anywhere in here. Which clone trooper? For the holiday clone trooper. Yeah, oh, wait, there we go. It's at the top. So, uh, just to wrap up, because hey, it's October. Uh, StarWars.com has five Halloween items that. Uh, are strong with the scary side of the force. So you have the light side, the dark side, and the scary side. Hey, hey, I'm not a fan of scary. You are scary. At least in the That's ring. why I'm not a fan of it. I have to deal with it all the time. Um, number one is a Star Wars Halloween trick or treat T-shirt uh, by Fist Sun. It's almost like a silhouette uh, of kids dressed up in Halloween. Well, Star Wars characters in Halloween. Because you got Princess Leia, Darth Vader, Boba Fett, Yoda, and Chewie. Uh, number two from Gimme, and we have the Christmas version of this. We just got it last week. But it's the child with pumpkin inflatable. That's cool. We have the child with candy cane inflatable for Christmas. Nice. Um, number three, Star Wars glow in the dark, glow in the dark pajamas in the Bandolero. Those are for adults, right? Uh, sure. <laughs> but the Bandolero glows. Oh, the, nice. The white glows. Yeah. Um, coming in at number four, Star Wars costumes by Rubies, which Rubies just got bought by somebody. Because they were they were going bankrupt. Yeah, I forgot who bought them. I don't know. I'm looking. I like the child's child costume. That's cute. Yeah. <laughs> um, I forgot who bought rubies. Uh, but the costumes they have uh, is Rise of Skywalker, Ray, uh, the child. Now Disney has one as well, and you could buy for your little toddler Baby Yoda shoes, and they look like Baby Baby Yoda's feet. Oh, sweet. Yeah. I want those. Yeah. They won't fit. I don't think they'll fit. Uh, There's Mandalorian costume and, of course, Lando with the cape. You know, so I wonder did, if that Mandalorian costume actually comes with a full helmet or if it's just the face. It's just the face. It's rubies. It's just the face. Uh, and then number five, Mando cosplay T-shirt from T-Turtle. Which T-Turtle's got some great stuff. We have quite a few shirts in this household from them. Uh, and this is the child with a bucket where he painted the, the Mandalorian helmet onto it. Mm-hmm. So he's got a bucket turned into the Mando bucket. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I do have my favorite Star Wars um, Halloween thing. Wait, let's see. Oh, is that, is that the zombie Yoda bobblehead? I have the zombie Yoda bobblehead. Yeah, and yeah. I think this was Funko way back in, like, one of the original Funkos. Before yeah. They made Fun- yeah, this was before they were making what we know of as Funko Pops. Yeah. And it was, like, Walmart exclusive. I have... Um, when that same company did the flash drives, okay, where they they were three D three D sculpted flash drives, and it's like I picked up a couple of those and picked up Mimico's flash drives, which Mimico's no longer in business. Huh. So if you have any Mimico drives or uh, power chargers, hold on to them. They're now collector's items. Oh, they were collector's items to start with. Yeah, but I, I still I still use my flash drives. Yeah, I use them big time. So, um. 
So, any final thoughts? Because we're at like wrap up point. Yeah, we're we're in danger of running a little long on this one. <laughs> Almost. No, I've, I think um, that was a, it. Was great having um, Alex on with us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Alex. It was a great interview. Um, I can't wait to get into the book. Yeah. So that's gonna be awesome. Yeah, I, I'm just getting to this. I would think any part's the great part, but I, I'm just really starting to dig in hard, and I'm excited. Yeah. I usually um, lazy read my books by listening to them, but I may have to actually pick up a copy of this, even if it's just digital. Because, I, like I said, I used to love reading the um, Star Wars YA books back in the day. Yeah. I I would be getting these um, as well to uh, – I want to get the hardback so Zoe has it for her library as well yeah so well my problem I'll, is the library has gotten too big yeah it's taking almost space yeah well on that note there's uh only one thing left to be said give the evacuation code signal all right cut the chatter Jet, i can hold it pull up no i'm all right information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2! Ah, <laughs> oh, moi, moi.